Section 16 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 49. The Rocks, Sunday, October the 20th, 1675. I cannot sufficiently admire the diligence and fidelity of the post. I received on the 18th your letter of the 9th. That is, in nine days only after date, which is all that can be desired. But, my dear, we must soon put an end to our admirations, for, as you say, you are going still further off, that we may both be exactly in the spot which Providence has assigned us. For my part, God knows, I acquit myself very ill in my residence, but you, heavens! Monsieur d'Angers, H. Arnaud, cannot do more. When I think, however, of our separation, and how much I deserve to enjoy the pleasure of being with you, and of all your affection for me, and then reflect that we are placed at two different ends of the globe, you must excuse me if I cannot view this part of our history with gaiety of heart. Common sense opposes it, and my infinite love still more. I have nothing to do but take refuge in submission to the will of Providence. I am very glad you have seen Monsieur de Lagarde. He does me great honour in approving my turn of mind. He is a very good judge. I am sorry you are going to lose him so soon, for he is really a worthy man. Your conversations must have been endless. So... He is to take the Archbishop away to Lagarde. It was very well said of him that he was like a river which fertilised and made every country flourish through which it passed. I find he did wonders at Grignon. Monsieur Rochon is at Rennes with four thousand men. He has removed the Parliament to Vannes, which has occasioned a terrible desolation. The ruin of Rennes brings with it that of the whole province. Madame de Marboeuf is at Vitre. She has brought me a thousand compliments from Madame de Chant and from Monsieur de Vin, who intends paying me a visit. I am not under the least apprehension about these troops on my own account, but I cannot help feeling for the despair and desolation our poor province suffers at present. It is supposed we shall not have any assembly of the states here, or if we have, it will only be to buy off the taxes which we gave 2,500,000 leaves to have taken off only two years ago, and which have all been laid upon our shoulders again. And perhaps they may set a price too upon bringing the Parliament back to Rennes. Monsieur de Montmorin, footnote, he was a Savignier and Dean of the Parliament of Brittany, back to main text, is fled out of town to a seat belonging to one of his friends, at about three leagues distance from hence, that he may avoid hearing the cries and lamentations of the people at seeing their dear Parliament removed. You see, I am quite a Breton, but you know it is owing to the air I breathe and to something else, for every creature without distinction is in affliction throughout the province. Be under no concern about my health, my dearest child, I'm extremely well. 
Madame de Torrente has given me an essence that has cured her of vapours that were worse than mine. Two drops are to be taken for fifteen days following in any beverage that is drunk at table, and it cures effectually. She has told me circumstances of its efficacy which have all the air of those in the comedy of the médecin forcé, but I believe them all, and I would take some of the essence now if it were not that I think it a pity to make use of so admirable a remedy when I have no real occasion for it. I will send you some time or other the remainder of the prosperities of the boat. You will make La Plessis too vain, for I shall tell her how much you love her. Except what I told you the other day, I do not think a better creature exists. She is here every day. I have some of your excellent Hungary water in my pocket. I am quite in love with it. It cures all my sorrows. I wish I could send some of it to Rennes. My woods continue very beautiful still, and the verdure is a hundred times finer than at Livry. I do not know whether this proceeds from the nature of the trees themselves or from the refreshing rains we have here, but there is certainly no comparison. Everything here looks as green now as in the month of May. The leaves that fall are brown, it is true, but those that remain on the trees are not at all faded. You never observed this beauty in them. As to that blessed tree that saved your life, I'm often tempted to build a little chapel there. It seems to carry its head above all the rest, and exceeds them in bulk as well as stature, and with very good reason, for it saved you. I may at least repeat to it the stanza of Medor in Ariosto, in which he wishes happiness and peace to the cave that has given him so much pleasure. Our sentences are not at all disfigured. I visit them frequently. I think they are rather increased, and two trees that are close to each other often present us with two contrary sentiments. La lontananza ogni gran piaggia salda, and piaggia d'amor non si sana mai. Footnote, time is a cure for wounds, however deep, and the wounds of love are never to be healed. Back to main text. There are five or six thus contradictory. The good princess was charmed with them, as I am with the letter you have written our good abbe on Jacob's journey to the land of promise in your closet. Madame de Lavardin has informed me of what is still to be kept secret for a few days longer, that Dolon is going to marry his brother to Mademoiselle de Noirmoutier. He gives him all his lands in Poitou, besides a great quantity of jewels and furniture. They are at La Ferte Milon, where this curious affair is to be made up. I never thought Dolon would have given himself any concern about his name or family. Letter 50. The Rocks, Wednesday, November the 6th, 1675. What a delightful letter you have written to me, my dear child. What thanks do I not owe you for employing your hand 
your eyes, your head, your time, in composing so agreeable a volume. I have read it over and over, and shall read it again with pleasure and attention. I can read nothing that is more interesting. You satisfy my curiosity in everything I wish. I admire your care in giving me such punctual answers. This makes a conversation perfect, regular, and extremely entertaining. But I must beg you not to destroy yourself. This fear makes me renounce the pleasure of having frequently such entertainments. You cannot doubt my generosity in sparing you the fatigue of immoderate writing. I comprehend with pleasure the high esteem that is paid to Monsieur de Grignon in Provence, after what I have seen of it. This is a pleasure you are scarcely sensible of. You are too much accustomed to be loved and honoured in a province where you command. If you saw the horror, the detestation, the hatred that the people have here for their governor, you would feel more than you do the pleasure of being adored everywhere. What affronts, what injuries, what menaces, what reproaches. The very stones fly round him. I do not believe Monsieur de Grignon would accept this post upon such conditions. You mentioned to me the paper you have signed so heroically in favour of Monsieur de Grignon. Footnote. It appears that Madame de Grignon had entered into a bond for her husband, back to main text. You say you had no doubt which way the honourable sentiments of Cardinal de Retz inclined. Footnote. Cardinal de Retz advised her not to sign back to main text. I do not say anything of mine. It was enough that you could discern what his counsels tended to. In certain delicate affairs we do not presume directly to advise, but we represent the case. The common friends of both do what is proper, that there may be no jarring opposition in the interest of those they love but with a soul so perfectly generous and good as yours, we consult only ourselves and act precisely as you have done. Have you not seen how much you have been admired? Are you not pleased that you owe to number yourself so noble a resolution? You would have done nothing blamable if you had refused to sign. You would only have acted like the rest of the world. But by consenting to it, you have exceeded all the world. In a word, my child, enjoy the beauty of your own action, and do not think meanly of us for not having prompted you to it. On a similar occasion we should perhaps have acted as you have done, and you would have advised as we did. It is all well. I am very much pleased that Monsieur de Grignon is so good as to recompense this mark of your friendship and affection by a greater attention to his affairs. The prudence you commend him for is the truest mark of his gratitude you could have wished. Letter 51, The Rock, Sunday, December the 1st, 1675 Well, my dear, it seems now settled that I am to receive two of your packets together and miss one post. You should see the faces I make and how I receive it, in comparison with those that come regularly. I am of your opinion, my child, and would give a great deal to be as easy about answering letters as the coadjutor is, 
and keep them in my pocket for a month or two without troubling my head about them. Well, it is a gift from heaven, certainly, this happy indifference. Madame de Langeron used to say of visits, and I apply it to everything, what I do fatigues me, and what I omit to do vexes me. I think this is very well said, and I feel it sensibly. I am always exact, however, in my answers. It is with pleasure I give you the top of the basket, that is, you have the very flower of my mind, my head, my eyes, my pen, my desk, the rest fare as they can. I have as much amusement in chatting to you as labour and fatigue in writing to others. I am perfectly stunned with the great news that abounds in Europe. I suppose the coadjutor has shown Madame de Fontreveau the letter he received from you. You are ignorant of its value. You write like an angel. I read your letters with admiration. You no sooner set out than you reach the goal. Do you remember the minuet which you danced so well and closed in such excellent time, when the other creatures were not at the end of theirs till the next day? The late Madame and yourself were famous for this. We used to call it gaining ground. Your letters are just the same. As for your poor little frater, I know not where he has hid himself. It is three weeks now since I had a line from him. He made no mention of the pretty airing upon the Meuse, though everybody believes it here. His fortune is really very hard, poor lad. I do not see how he can manage the affair of his promotion unless Lausin will take the guidonage in part of payment, with some other little additions which we will endeavour to raise. But to buy the ensign's place, have the guidonage left upon our hands, will never do. Your reasoning upon the matter is very just. We all acquiesce in it, and shall be very well contented to mount after the other two. Footnote. The Marquis de la Trousse and the Marquis de la Fere. The one captain-lieutenant and the other sub-lieutenant in the Dauphin Gendarme. Back to main text and shall be very well contented to mount after the other two, provided the guidon serves as the first step. I shall finish the year here very peaceably. There are times when all places are indifferent, and a solitude like this not unpleasant. Madame de Lafayette returns you all your civilities. She has very bad health, and poor Monsieur de Limoges still worse. He has resigned all his benefices to the king. I fancy her son, the Abbe de Lafayette, will have one of his abbeys. Poor Gascony has been as roughly handled as we have been. We have six thousand troops sent down to pass the winter among us. If it were not for the misconduct of the provinces, I do not know how they would be able to dispose of their troops. I cannot think peace is so near. Do you remember all our reasoning upon the subject of war, and how many there must be killed? This is always a certain prophecy, and so is that that your letters 
can never tire me, long as they may be. Ah, you will find no chimera in this hope. They are my choicest reading. Ripper brings you a third volume of the Moral Essays, which are worth your perusal. I never met with greater energy than there is in the style of these writers. They make use of no words but what are in common use, and yet they appear perfectly new by the elegant manner in which they dispose them. In the morning, I read the history of France. In the afternoon, some serious subjects in my woods, such as the essays, the life of St. Thomas of Canterbury, which I think delightful, or the iconoclasts, and in the evening, things of a lighter nature. This is my constant rule. I hope you continue to read Josephus. Take courage, my dear, and go on boldly to the end. If you read the history of the Crusades, you will meet with two illustrious men who were your ancestors. But not a word about the great family of V that holds its head so high at present. But I am persuaded there are some passages which will make you throw aside the book and curse the Jesuit. Footnote, Father Meimburg, author of the History of the Crusades, the physician in the Lettre Paysanne gives as a recipe for the asthma to read all the works of this father, stopping only at each period. Back to main text. And yet, upon the whole, it is an admirable history. End of section 16